Well, I don't know where to begin. Uh, I'll begin by putting my water right here. Uh, first, I think I should just let you know how grateful I am that God led me to Andrew in 1999. I didn't know that was the same year uh, that you met him, uh, 14 years ago. And uh, I, I had a great career. I, I really have been honored and privileged to work with wonderful men of God um, and those that were mentioned uh, and others. Uh, I look back now and I think it was all preparation for being here. And what I'm going to present to you today, I think, is the crowning achievement of my career. And uh, it is this right here. It's called Healing Journeys, Volume 4. And, and honestly, it does feel like everything that I did was preparation to get here. Now, before I begin, um, I'll say that as I was coming up here, Jamie said to me, she looked at me and she said, this better be good. And I, I, think I, know, I think I know what she meant. You know, when I first came to work 14 years ago, she was my boss. And uh, uh, I worked for Jamie directly. And I also think she's a little bit like my mother. Pardon me. In this way. I think what she meant by that was, don't get too big for your britches, guy just because you're going to stand up there in front of people. I'm a behind-the-scenes guy. It's very rare for me to do this. The other thing is, a couple weeks ago, something happened that I didn't expect. Andrew asked me to talk to pastors, and I'd never done that. You know, like he said, my father was a pastor. In fear and trembling, I prepared. He asked me to talk to pastors about fundraising. Well, I have learned a thing or two about fundraising over the years, and I've been with the best and the worst um, I've seen a lot of things that I've had to deal with, and it's all, you know, it's, it's been part of the journey that, that uh, brought me here. So I was able to share with these pastors, and it kind of surprised me. It came out pretty good. It seemed, it felt really good. And uh, so uh, I think my mom's watching by the live stream today, by the way. Um, and so I will say this for her benefit. She, she always felt it was important to keep me humble. And uh, uh, she, she would say, you know, now don't you get too big for your britches. That was her way of saying it. And I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> I, I can reassure you, Mom, God has a way of keeping me humble. And I'll tell you this... Um, as, as I heard the comments after talking to the pastors, I was overwhelmed. They, were, they received it so well. And I went, what did I say? And so I got the DVD, I went home, and I plugged it in to see what I said. And so last night I'm watching, and I started off so good. I mean, it was just, wow, it was really connecting with those, those pastors. And then, about 20 minutes in, I got thirsty. And I pulled out a bottle of water, and I held it up. And I was kind of excited about the point I was making at that moment. 
And without knowing it, I gestured with the bottle of water and it did that. Only I wasn't paying attention and it came right back on me right here. And a big old stain goes down my shirt right there for the rest of the two hours. I'm totally sincere, oblivious, unaware of what's going on. And I'm, I'm humbled by this. It looks like I'm really getting nervous out of one armpit. God knows how to keep us humble. But it was, it was awesome to talk to those pastors, and I, I was so gratified that it, it was meaningful for them. Now, for you. Um, what I try to share when I, when I come here is uh, something about story, something about storytelling, something about storytellers. And that's what this is all about this morning. Um, I haven't been able to be here. I understand this has been a good conference for you. I've been watching on the live stream every now and then, catching a little snippet of it. But um, I have been at work, and uh, my team has been working to prepare something for you that we're releasing this morning, Healing Journeys Volume 4. Now, this has been in the works for more than a year, and uh, some of the stories we did uh, a year ago, but the last story we finished Monday while you were here. And... We put the finishing touches on it and added it to the DVD master. And there are here five true stories that inspire hope and build faith. How awesome is that? And I'm going to tell you about these five stories. Uh, I also want to tell you that we have a limited number of these that we came hot off the press. Uh, Millie, who who runs the DVD duplication, uh, I had to sweet talk her and do a lot of shuttle diplomacy, and mother may I, and please may I have your help to get you these copies today, and I want them to disappear, okay? These are the preview, very first off the press, Healing Journeys Volume 4, and I think they're the best ever. Um, Now, uh, I... I tell you again and again, and this is the theme that I've developed, that I will continue to develop uh, for my own ministry, such as it is. I, I'm very happy to be a media minister. Uh, the ministry of the word that you've heard here, heard here is unequaled, and it's just a privilege to back up what you hear here with testimonies from out there. And for those to play back and to inspire and to build hope in people's lives, uh, I pinch myself that this is what I get to do for a living. And uh, this is the pinnacle of what I do and what I've, what I've done for my career. Um, now, I say this, you have a story, and it's better than you think. I say that all of your stories don't need to be told as we, these that are on the, on the healing journeys, but it is important for you to know your story because I believe your story is your story of Christ in you, and the story of you, your life in Christ. Everything that you hear preached being played out in your life from birth till, excuse me, from before birth until after death. This is your context. You have a story that's eternal and it's extremely valuable. And your story is your treasure. And out of it, you learn who you are in Christ. And I do a lot of examining of my story and have done that 
in order to be able to tell other people's stories. So I say that you have a story and it's better than you think. And I want to inspire you to think about it that way. But while it's true that everyone has a wonderful story, storytellers are few. This is something I discovered in the last couple of years. I spoke about you have a story to the student body and suddenly my class, my next class that I taught in an elective, you don't have to take my class, but it's, it's about media. My next class had 80 students show up. I'd hit, a, hit a, a nerve with them on this idea of you have a story. But when we started the third year media school, suddenly that large group narrowed down. And I think I understand why that is. It's because storytellers are few. And they're few uh, because it all begins with a blank screen and a blinking cursor. And you all alone in a room somewhere. That's, that's a tough place to be. But that's where every story that is told begins. And a storyteller knows that. That's where the rubber meets the road. And it can be scary. I'll never forget, after doing a number of stories for the Billy Graham organization back in the 80s, toward the end of the 80s, early 90s, um, I had been doing a series called Where Are They Now? Testimonies, my favorite thing to do. Tell your story, your testimony. And people who came to, to Christ in a crusade back in 1956, etc. Where are they today? And I was presenting those stories in video and enjoying it. Well, suddenly the wall the East Ger- in, in Germany came down. The Berlin Wall fell. The Iron Curtain was no more. And at the Billy Graham organization, they realized they were in a moment of history and a turning point for them. That turning point was that uh, for 30 years, Billy Graham had been going behind the Iron Curtain, and he had been ministering there in, in secret to the West, uh, to very large crowds. And uh, this had been going on for 30 years. In fact, in Romania, under the fall of Ceausescu, the crowds that came to hear Billy Graham never dispersed until Ceausescu was no more. And he had a, a role to play in uh, that incredible end of an era in our history. And suddenly they wanted to tell that story, and so uh, they called together their leaders, Dr. Akers, Dr. Uh, Harasti, Alexander Harasti, three earned uh, PhDs. Dr. Harasti was a Hungarian who fled as the Iron Curtain fell, and he was a cold warrior. He did face-to-face meetings with Shevardnadze and Gorbachev in order to get Billy Graham those opportunities behind the Iron Curtain. There was a lot of wheeling and dealing. There was a lot of playing with the hypocrisy of an atheistic regime and being able to, to play that to your advantage. What a fascinating story. Anyway, these men got together uh, to make a primetime television special and they couldn't, couldn't make it happen. And so they called this kid in Texas, living in Dallas at the time, who they knew could tell stories. And um, they said, we have 15 days to deliver this screenplay uh, for this documentary to tell the story of Billy Graham behind the Iron Curtain. Would you meet with us, and would you be willing to do this? And uh, it sounded like a great opportunity, and I said yes before I could say no. 
they flew to, flew to Dallas and to a hotel, and we sat there for a day or two of meetings, and they brought a huge block, uh, box full of uh, videotapes of all of the appearances behind the Iron Curtain and all the things that they wanted me to draw from, and it was exciting. I sat there and listened to the most incredible minds uh, and stories that I'd never heard, and I was taking notes like mad. And then they all got on a plane and left, and I had 15 days. And I went home to my apartment, and I got in the bedroom that I had turned into an office, and there was a blank screen with a blinking cursor. And I could hear my mother's voice. Who do you think you are? Don't you get too big for your britches, boy. And I didn't feel too big for my britches. I was sitting there, and pretty soon I could hear another voice screaming, and it was mine. Who do you think you are? Why did you say yes? And in 15 days, I was able to deliver because I went forward rather than ran home and did what I felt like doing, which was jam my head under my pillow and not come out. Uh, it did, it did uh, air uh, that year. They, they went into production, and um, it was that, at that time the highest-rated Billy Graham special ever aired. And... Um, But those moments of terror come for all of us when we, when we put ourselves on the line. And uh, storytellers do that. Every one of these stories required one of my team members to decide what were the first words that went on the screen. It was, it was their, uh, their decision as to what order should the edits be made in and how would these stories go together in order to convey uh, the best possible meaning and impact for you. Now, let me talk about some of these stories that they've come up with. The birth of Benjamin Esau. Nine months in the womb, 27 hours in labor, a stillborn baby. Don't miss this story of faith-filled parents, resurrection, and abundant life. Benjamin Esau's story. South Africa sent a team to South Africa to, to, to capture this story after we met him years before. Um, now, this next story, the second story in here is the one we just finished this week. It's called the Mullins Family Story. It's called the Amazing Grace Story because this story took place right where uh, John Newton landed when he was converted and he wrote the song Amazing Grace. It's called Amazing Grace Country. It's in Northern Ireland. And here you can feel the despair as 17-month-old Andrew is diagnosed with stage 4 neuroblastoma cancer. Then take a healing journey with the Mullins family. You will never forget this story. It is absolutely stunning. Now, I have a little promo on this that my storytellers put together, and I think we'd like to show that for you right now. So if you'll look at the screens, find a screen that you can watch, Let's roll that story. What do you do when one of your children is diagnosed with stage four cancer? Mike and Esther Mullins had a choice to make. To accept the virtual death sentence for their son and beg God for a miracle. Or to take a stand and act on the revelation that God wants you well. Take a healing journey with the Mullins family. Healing Journeys Volume 4. Now available on DVD at awmi.net. 
we finally got the sound switched around there. Sound uh, uh, usually comes up a little late, but now that it's there, let's play that again for everyone, okay? Let's do it. What do you do with... What do you do when one of your children is diagnosed with stage four cancer? Mike and Esther Mullins had a choice to make, to accept the virtual death sentence for their son and beg God for a miracle, or to take a stand and act on the revelation that God wants you well. Take a healing journey with the Mullins family. Healing Journeys, Volume 4. Now available on DVD at awmi.net. Okay. All right, that's going to be going on the air. Uh, beginning to let people know that this volume is available. Uh, these stories, uh, let, me, let me go through the others. The Richard Waller story, mind-bending pain, two prolapse discs, spina bifida, degenerative bone disorder, heart arrhythmia, and other ailments. Richard Waller was facing life in a wheelchair. You don't want to miss this story. It's one of the most entertaining stories we've ever put together. This guy is entertaining. Now, bear with me. Uh, I'll tease you with this detail. He once had his own television series on the Playboy channel in England. <laughs> You're going to find that story in here. He fell in love with a Christian girl, and then he fell in love with Christ. And you know, for most ministries, that's the end of the story. That's the end of the rainbow. That's the happily ever after. But do you know what? That was the beginning of disaster for him. After getting married, he began to suffer all these physical ailments that came on him. And because of his former life, the Christian believers around him believed this was God's way of keeping him in line. Yes. This, this is a way that he would be sure to live for God for the rest of his days. And then came Andrew Womack. And God wants you well. And that is a story you do not want to miss. And he tells it so well. Um, we also have the Gunner and Ger uh, Shirley Gerda story, which I'm going to share with you in its entirety. Um, we, we finally have a story that is one of the most amazing how many of you know somebody who have autistic children? Oh, my. Do not miss the McDermott story at the end here, the fifth story. Uh, they had two autistic boys, one diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, one with full-blown autism. Those two boys have been certified by the, sta by the state that said they were incurable in England the, we have that on the screen for you. They are normal, healthy children. <laughs> and Timothy and, and his mom just finished first year at the CBC UK this year. Isn't that exciting? All right, now I want to set up uh, this story with um, the Germany uh, school, uh, Karis Bible College in Germany. I have a special place in my heart for Germany. Uh, as I tell my students, every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that end is not they lived happily ever after. It's not a fairy tale. Every true story should end with these words, to be continued. 
And here's another aspect of a story that makes it compelling and entertaining and something you want to watch and you, you, you don't want to stop watching. The main character is changed during the course of the story. So every story is a testimony of transformation of one sort or another. That's what we have here. Now, every story can be a testimony, and every story can have a beginning and a middle and an end, and it can put you to sleep. <laughs> have you known storytellers who, who do not light a fire in you? That's what I'm determined will not happen, and it hasn't happened on any of the five stories you'll see here. But there's ways that, uh, and techniques and, if you will, um, things that you can learn as a storyteller to make sure your story stands up and grabs the attention of the audience. Um, a lot of things. But one that is most important, this is the deepest uh, part of it, I believe, is every story has a context that gives it meaning. You see, you can tell people the facts, but you must at some point tell them what the facts mean. And that's what changes people's lives. It's not just the details. It's the meaning of the details. And so, on October 19, 2011, I first heard the name Gunnar Goethe. I was with Andrew and David Hardesty at Denver International Airport, and we were flying to Germany. We were to be met there by someone named Gunnar Goethe. And Andrew got a call saying that Gunnar was in recovery after an emergency five-hour surgery and that he was not in a, out of the woods. He was in extreme danger. And I remember these words of faith coming out of Andrew's mouth. I believe in Jesus' name he will recover and finish the work God has called him to do in Germany. Amen. Now, that was my first introduction to Gunnar. I was going to Germany. I went. We saw the, where the school would be in Birkenfeld. Uh, we came back from that trip, and I began to look into what happened to Gunnar. Well, amazing things happened to Gunnar. Amazing recovery that was just amazing to, to hear the story and the details. And so I sent a crew there uh, to tell this story. Gunnar had been born in Germany and he was now feeling God calling him in his later years to return to Germany and open the first Karis Bible College in Birkenfeld. This struck me very deeply because for a couple of decades I've studied Germany for reasons of my own. And uh, I had uh, a series of novels I was working on, and still am, uh, hope to finish when I'm retired. Uh, but there is one in particular that started this way. I noticed in the story of the crucifixion of Christ, there was a centurion stood at the foot of his cross and said, truly, this was the Son of God. He had a revelation that none of the Sanhedrin or the priests, chief priests and scribes, and as far as we know, maybe only Peter, and maybe not Peter at that point, uh, he saw something no one else saw. And as I studied the story in the preparation, I saw something else. I saw, um, I saw a myth that came into play in the crucifixion of Jesus. And this myth was propounded 
by Annas, I believe, the, chi- the high priest, when he said, it is expedient for us that one man should die for the nation. And the Bible writer, the, the gospel writer at that point says, he didn't know that he prophesied he was high priest and he prophesied that Christ would die for the nation. Well, I put those two ideas together and I was doing further study and I discovered that in the pagan tribes of the world, there was a myth. And this myth was that one day God, the creator, would send his son in the form of a priest king who would die for the people. Now, this myth didn't get really popular, but it was scattered throughout the world. And when Christian missionaries began to go out and preach the gospel in these various tribal areas, suddenly they would find a receptivity they had never expected. Suddenly people said, yes, that's it. That's the story. That's what we've been waiting to hear. And they accepted Christ in, in, in a great many instances. Uh, this is reported over and over in, in the history of Christian missions. And so I began to look back and I said, who was this um, who was this centurion at the cross? And I began to realize there were a lot of conscripts that were assigned to Palestine, and among them were a number of German warriors from the forests of Germany. So I went back there and I discovered a story that in, in the 9 AD, the year Christ would be about nine years old, something happened in Germany that changed the course of the world. The German tribes were able to unite and lure three of the 21 legions of Rome across the Rhine River and destroy them to the man. Caesar Augustus was was Caesar at the time Jesus was born. And they brought the head of his general to Rome and presented it to him in the palace, and Caesar Augustus went insane. He could not replace those three legions and never did, and Rome never again went in force across the Rhine into that part of Europe. And in Europe, in Germany, a special group of tribesmen felt that they could defy Rome. And you say, what does that mean to us? Let me just say this. A few centuries later, another German felt that he could defy Rome. We know him as Martin Luther. He wasn't the only one, but Luther taught that salvation is not earned by good deeds, but received only as a free gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In Germany, the soil had been prepared for a great moment that changed the world. Many great moments. Two world wars that were not so welcome. But in this case, a reformation that brought us our gospel of grace, brought it to life, brought it, brought it out of imprisonment, and set it free to set you free. And we are in the heritage of that German named Martin Luther. Uh, so, as I looked into Gunnar's story, I found an absolutely amazing and astounding moment uh, that we will share with you. And I believe this. I believe that What we're doing, what is happening through this ministry, it is starting to really expand around the world through Karis Bible College. And as we see it expand, I I think we can see this as a story and we can tend 
to not know how great it is. I believe it's earth-shaking. I believe it's epic-making. I believe that what you will see in this story is a fulfillment of something none of us dreamed. But it is God at work. Remember this. He began history in the Garden of Eden, and he will bring it to a conclusion the way it's described in the book of Revelation. We're on that journey together, all of us, nations, people, and Karis Bible College and Andrew Womack Ministries. We have a part to play, and God is using us in a mighty way, and I believe Gunner is going to see exactly what has been prophesied and what Andrew said in that airport. He's going to finish the work God called him to do in Germany. So if you have that story up, let's make sure the sound is up at the very beginning, please. And let's roll that for our our audience now. Thank you. Number three. He was prepared with number two. Gunnar Gerten lived through the horrors of Allied bombing and saw his family's home destroyed and his little brother die in World War II. Germany was no longer a safe place to live. Gunnar left his homeland in 1952 at the age of 13, never knowing if he would return. But God has a plan. On October the 17th, of 2011, we were uh, preparing to um, get ready for a trip to Germany and meet Andrew and his crew there. I went ahead and went to bed and slept most of the night comfortably, no, no problem whatsoever. I woke up in the morning, I had sort of a, a back pain, you know, like you know, just, just nothing real serious, just a little discomfort in my back. So I got up to ask him what was going on. I walked the, the hallway a couple times, you know, and well, it just passed, you know, it's kind of one of those things. And then she said, well, I'm going to go make some coffee, okay? And so she went in the kitchen, she started making coffee, and uh, then that's, that's the last I remember. I walked down the hall and went out walked uh, into the bedroom. He's laying face down on the floor and it almost looked like it was like moisture around him. And I said, uh, Gunnar, you need to get up and get in the bed. Uh, and he said, I can't help you. And so um, there's a blank place there that from the time he's laying on the floor till he's back in the bed that I can't tell you how he got there. But I know that At that point, I knew I had to cut on a light to see what was going on. And when I cut on the light, he's laying on the bed, and he's white as a sheet of paper, and the bed is wet. And I walk over, and when I touch him, he's cold. And I thought, I'm in trouble. And I thought, well, okay, now what am I going to do? And he said, I need help. Gunnar had his own shop, and he was a foreign car uh, repair, and I worked at Alcoa, which is the aluminum company of America here outside of Rockdale. 
One day he informed me that we were going to start a ministry for the youth in our community and he turned the corner, rented a building and when I came home we were uh, looking for equipment to put inside the building to help um, get the children off the street on Saturday nights. On a weekend we'd see between 50 and 80 kids and I realized that we needed to reach the adults and people were coming from all over. It was awesome. There came a time when I wanted to hear more of the things of God and began to look at programs on TV and came across Andrew Womack. It became a, a continual thing at 8 o'clock in the morning. I get into the Word, I read the Word, I study the Word, and I spend time with the Lord. But when I hear some of these things, they were so far out and so different than what I, what I saw that or no television ministries or anything, okay? And one morning as he was coming through, Andrew was teaching on spirit, soul, and body. And he stopped and backed up and sat in the chair, and then the two of us began to watch together. Well, I was glued to the set when I heard what he was saying about that. And, and that's the point when I when it so impacted my life. I began to understand scripture that I didn't understand. I just kind of took I believe Gunnar and Shirley are here. Would you stand, please? You know, I understand they have to catch a plane. They're not going to be able to sign autographs. But I'm going to tell you this. I want the autograph of the man who preached in Martin Luther's pulpit. Only a CVC student would have the temerity. Hey, that doesn't happen. That does not happen. They don't open that pulpit up. And uh, the man who felt that, he felt something stir in him. There's something very deep going on in Germany. The fires that once blazed there of the grace that gave us the Protestant Re Reformation. I mean, we'd all be Catholics. I mean, okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, the liberating gospel that we preach, the gospel of grace, that was something that we owe to this man in Germany. And now here comes a CBC student, and he, he's able and uh, allowed to stand in that pulpit and preach that gospel. And now I believe it is going to go. There's a lot of obstacles to what's going on in Germany and some of the other CBC schools to you directors. I know that startups are, are a lot of trials, a lot of uh, things in front of you, but think of this story. Think of what, what came to pass as he was on the verge of realizing his dream and going to Germany with us to get this thing started. He was struck down, but not defeated. And as much as I want his autograph, I want that woman's autograph. <laughs> How surely... How Shirley accomplished what she accomplished, you know, I kind of suspect there were some six foot ten angels in the room. I think so. And we're going to see, as Andrew said in the airport, uh, we're going to see 
In Jesus' name, Gunnar, recover and complete the mission God has called him to in Germany. Praise God. God bless you. Healing Journeys, there's a special... Healing Journeys Volume 4, there's a special kiosk in the middle of the lobby for you where you can get the, the copies that we have. They're limited in numbers, so don't miss them.